be back home. There's nothing like being home. Had time with my family and Linda's family, but still, there's nothing like being being here. And, and so I'm excited to, to be here and see what God has in store this morning for us at Spirit Life Church. And I'm already like excited to see what happened during worship time. There was a shift that happened there, and, um, and I don't know if you noticed it, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it in my sermon. But as these next few weeks, as Jonathan sort of said, we're doing a, a prayer and fasting. And, and man, if you haven't, haven't found in your heart, say, you know what, I totally missed it. You know, today's the 6th. Uh, and um, you know what, I haven't done anything. That's all right. Let's jump on board. And um, just ask God to just do something amazing in your life this next few weeks. I'm really believing God for certain things in my life and in our church and um, I'm excited to see where God's taking Spirit of Life Church. I really, truly am. And I do think it's going to be something um, that's going to be really amazing. And so, man, if, if, there, if you missed it and you're like, man, I just don't know what to do, man, start off small. Maybe it's, maybe it's a one day. Maybe it's three days. Maybe it's something between you and the Lord. The thing is, it's between you and God. You don't have to come to me and say, hey, Bo, is it all right if I do this? Ask the Lord. He'll share with you what he wants you to do. Because there's some things that the Lord wants to break through, and it's about a sacrifice. Fasting is about a sacrifice. It's not trying to get out there and say, hey, look at me. This is, this is all about me because it's not about you. It's all about him and everything we do. And so take some time, even maybe today, and just pray and say, Lord, what is it that you would like me to fast? You know, maybe, maybe you can't do 21 days. Maybe there's some things that you need to do. So maybe you just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to start out small because I've never done it before. I just want to give you my heart. And so start out, do something. To And I'm telling you, man, as you get into God, as you pray, as you seek God's face, as you start to, to fast, God's going to show up. And then what's going to happen is, is you're going to want to do it more because you're seeing God move. And you're like, man, I want to kill myself so God can do more things in my life because what happens is, is you kill yourself and what happens is then God has more room to do things in your own life. And so um, these next few weeks are going to be about prayer. Jonathan's going to preach on prayer. And so I'm going to do a shotgun effect um, like a uh, bird shot or a buck shot. And Jonathan's going to be more rifled shot. And if you don't know what that is, then buck shot, scattered, rifles, narrow. So anyways, hopefully that helps speak, I guess, my lingo and you'd understand. And I will talk about that in a little bit, about hunting. So, um, but anyways, let's start out in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says this, This then is how you shall pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, from the evil one. See, sometimes I think that we feel like the elite are the only ones that could pray. And I've had people come to me and say, Bo, you're the pastor, you should pray. Man, in reality, you're, you're in a relationship with God, you should pray. Because that's really what it's all about, is God wants to have a relationship with you and communicate with him. It's not about a, a status of a pastor or a reverend in front of my name or whatever, because I could care less if you put that there. Because really, it's about my heart and what God wants done. 
And right off the bat, we see in Matthew 6, verse 13, it says, Our Father in heaven. Tells me right as soon as we start out, it's our Father. He wants that relationship with us right away. Our Father. The problem is, in today's society, we have too many daddy issues. So when we look at God, we think of our earthly father, because our earthly father is the one that's supposed to set the example. But quite honestly, a lot of earthly fathers have done a horrible job in being an example. It's what Jesus is all about. And I'm, I'm going to pound on fathers this morning a little bit, so if I offend you, too bad. But the thing is, is God wants to walk with you like he walked with Adam and Eve. But first, we have to acknowledge that he's our father. See, some of you might have a dad, and this is probably the younger people in this room, maybe that sits around and plays video games all day. Because for some reason, the millennial generation and generational, my, from my generation, uh, I'm really a Gen Xer, so it's really not mine, because I'm, I'm at the end of that, so I can't throw myself, but it is. But it's that generation below, for some reason, we've got addicted to video games, and that's all we do. And there's so many dads that live their life and they stay up till 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning and play video games. Quite honestly, it really perturbs me. Because they're not present in their kids' lives. Maybe for the ones that it could land in the, the, my generation lower, but also generation up, is your dad was always working. I've got to work. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And, and what happens is, is he was not present in your life. Maybe it's sitting there playing video games. Maybe it's sitting there doing emails. Maybe it's sitting there, when I said about talking about hunting, maybe it's going hunting. And I've done a really gut check in my heart and life this last year with this topic to make sure that I'm present in my kids' lives in all that I do. I finally put myself aside and I took my kids hunting for the, not the first time, but pretty regularly this last year. Why? Because I want them to experience, I want to be part of, I want them to be part of my life, but I want to be part of their life. And let me tell you, to ask you, if you ask them what are some of the favorite memories that they have this last year, I promise you it'll be I got to go hunting with my dad. Maybe it's fishing. Maybe your dad was abusive. And there's all these excuses that we can come up with to say my dad was this. But the problem is, or the thing is, not the problem, the thing is, is we serve a God that wants to be our Father that's perfect. He is perfect in every single way. He's there when we cry. He's there when we weep and mourn. He's there rejoicing when we're rejoicing. 
And he's excited for things to happen in our lives. And he's standing right by the door waiting for us to walk through it. But he's the most patient person I know. And so right off the bat, we say our Father. The next thing is, hallowed be your name. So we recognize him as our Father, but then we also recognize him as holy. And that's where a shift happened this morning when we started singing, holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Because there's something when we come together and declare the holiness of our Father. The one that's willing to go through the junk and the grime and everything for us. But yet, he's there to wipe us clean. There's something when we take our gaze off of us and reflect it towards Jesus Christ. So if we could do something here for a second, if I can have everyone just close their eyes. In this moment, we're going to take 30 seconds. And I want you just to declare the goodness of the Lord. Just declare it. How holy he is. Lord, you're so holy. You're so faithful and so true. Lord, you're worthy of all of our praise. Lord Jesus. See, I want to try it again. But I'm going to I'm going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I want you to verbally say it, because there was a lot of people that said it in their mind. But there's something when we take it from our mouth and let it verbalize. It's words that utter to no end. There's something about when we speak, we have the power we have the power, just like Jesus did, to speak things into existence. On that day when he spoke the world into existence, we have that same. We have the power in our tongue. We have the power in our voice. And when we declare the goodness of the Lord, something starts to happen. The earth starts to shudder. The enemy starts to tremble. We just sang a song that says, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the name that's breaking down walls, that's breaking down barriers, that's breaking down things, addictions. There's something when we declare the holiness and the truth of the Lord that happens. And so I ask, just take another 30 seconds and out loud declare the goodness of the Lord right now and how holy and faithful he is.
Jesus. And I don't know if you can sense a difference, but I'm telling you, when you declare it with your mouth and verbalize it, there's something that happens. It's taking the authority that God's giving you with your mouth. One of the most powerful tools that he's ever given you. See, even in worship, we need to stop singing songs. But we need to sing songs about him. I mean, excuse me, yes, about him. Wait, did I say that right? Excuse me, stop singing songs about him, but songs to him. Because it's, it's corporately coming together and declaring the goodness of God. It's corporately coming together and offering ourselves on the altar. And so there's a song that we sang today. It says, He is faithful. And I'm not going to sing it, but it says, He is faithful, He is glorious, and He is Jesus, and all His hope is in Him. He is freedom, He is healing right now. But I like to switch those words around and make it personal to me. You are faithful. You are glorious. You, in your name, is freedom. You are healing right now. In you, there's hope and joy and love and peace. Because what I, I don't ever, ever, ever want worship to be about me. Ever. Because it's not about me, but it's about God's presence being in this place. I never want people to see me as Bo. I want them to see me as God's working through me. And will I stumble and will I fall? Absolutely. Because we all fall in short of the glory of God. But the thing is, is if I can continue searching my heart and saying, God, do this inside of me because you are so holy and I want to be with you. And I was talking to some of my a, a niece this past week, and I said, the funny thing is, the closer I've gotten to God, the more that I realize that I have so many more issues that I never thought I had. And I'm tired of peeling back the layers constantly. But I am so glad that I'm not the same person I was a year ago. I'm so glad that there were people in my life that challenged me to step out that challenged me to be different. Why? Because I was born to be different. And so are you. You know, as we sing songs, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I love this, and so understand my heart is that I love it. Is that I see a manly man like Kevin back there, Kevin Schott. And what is he doing? He's dancing before the Lord. He doesn't, he doesn't in the back. He's not looking for people to look at him and say, hey, look at me. He's not doing that because I guarantee you that's not what he's looking for. But I'm telling you this. He's doing it because he loves his father, daddy, God. And that's not to say anything about anybody else the way that you worship. I'm just saying there's something about the way that Kevin does it because it's not about him. 
It's about bringing God glory and honor and praise. And there's that's that something about it that says, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, it wasn't until this, this morning as I was praying through my sermon that I, my mindset was, okay, I've heard it say all the time, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we pray that, pray that part, and we expect it like, man, there's, it says in the Bible, and I don't know if I have it in here, yep, it says, he will wipe every tear from his eyes. There are no more deaths and mourning, crying, and pain. And this is Revelation 21, 4. For the older things has passed away. And that's the verse that, that I've always stopped at, or the thought process, I should say, that I've always stopped at, that says, you know, your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. Because I want people to be healed. Because there's no more, there's no cancer, there's no, there's no mourning, there's no crying, there's no other stuff in heaven, and I want people to be healed. But the Lord challenged me this morning. In Revelation 21.8, it says, But the cowardly, the unbelief, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And I read that this morning. And when I've been praying, the Lord challenged me to say, seek your own heart. Seek your own heart. Because you're asking the kingdom of God to come like it is in heaven. And that means we have to search my own heart. Because there can't be unbelief, vile, murders. Because if you think, oh, I want to kill Keith, that's like killing him, the Bible says. Or wow, that that girl is really pretty. That's like adultery. And so what's happening is, is we're asking the kingdom of God to come, but we don't understand the power of what we're actually praying. And that's what the Lord shared with me this morning. And I was like, whoa, there's so much more to this prayer that we even realize that I even realize. It says in Revelation 21, 21, 27, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful and deceitful, but all those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's by God's blood, by the Lamb that was slain on the cross for you and me that we have that's the only reason we can get to heaven. It's through Jesus. And so when we're asking God's kingdom to come, we're asking him also to search our hearts and know our ways and make sure that what we do is not for us, but for him and him alone. And man, I wrestled with this this morning. And I'm like, God, I just, I just want your kingdom to come. But God, search my heart. Search me inside of me. Know 
what I'm thinking. No, those dark areas, because I want those layers, even though it stinks, even though it really, really stinks. I could think of some other words that would really be better, but I can't share those right now. But it stinks when God starts peeling back those layers. But the cool thing is, is the closer we get to the Lord, the more we see, the less we become like us, and the more we become like him, and he reflects our glory, or his glory through us. And that's ultimately what I want. And that's ultimately, I guarantee, I hope you want. Because God starts opening up doors that no man can open. And he closes doors that no man can close. The next one is 11. It's a give us today our daily bread. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. He'll meet all your needs. But Lord, what about this? Is that really truly a need? I shared a few weeks ago, we had a memorial service for Shantrea. And let me tell you, she died at a young age. I don't know why. But I do know one thing is Pastor Jonathan was praying. There was three or four people, I think, that gave their life to the Lord that day at her funeral. God supplied the need even though we didn't think that should have been the need. I don't know why God works that way. But let me tell you, there's something that happens when we put our faith and trust in him. And I learned a lot that day about her. A lot. And she put her faith and trust in the Lord in everything. But what I saw was God used something that we thought may be tragic, but brought glory and honor that through her life, people got saved that will be in heaven someday. So we may not know the needs that we have, but we've got to put our trust and our faith in our Father because He's perfect. He loves us just the way we are. He wants to change us and equip us to become better. And forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. This one's sometimes a hard one to swallow. We're asking God to forgive us of our, our sins. Another word for debtors is sins, or in other translations we use sins. So it says as and forgive us our sins as we, as me, Bo Koppelman, forgives whoever for their sins towards me. So how many times we, we pray this and we say, well, forgive us our sins. But the Bible is clear. It says in Matthew 18, um, Matthew, I'm going to go to Matthew 6. Sorry, I threw the Mix those around. Sorry there, Josh. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people 
when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sin, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. And then Matthew 18, 21. And then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sinned against me? Up to seven, seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Luke 17, 3 through 4. If a brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they've repented, forgive them. Even, even, if, they've, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to say, I repent, you must forgive them. Wow. That's heavy. Because how many of us in this room are are guilty of that? I know I am. I know I get annoyed by my kids sometimes. They say, Dad, 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 Dad. I'm just like, shut up. But how many times are we like that to our father? I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And God's just like, just shut up and learn, won't you? But he has the patience to grab us by the hand and walk through every trial and tribulation and everything with us until we get what he wants us to, he wants to teach us, and then we become a better person because of it. Why? Because he's patient. Because he's the perfect father. Perfect father. See, in Acts 7, 59 through 60, it says, While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So his last words were praying for the people that were murdering him. I wonder if I have enough guts to do that. My prayer is that I would. But we've got to come to a place where we forgive those who have sinned against us so that we can have our Father forgive us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The Bible says that the enemy is going around roaring like a lion, looking who he can devour, so he can rob and steal and destroy your life. But that's why we pray this. That's why we say, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we do this by Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the full armor of God so you can take a, a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of the evil realm or evil in the heavenly realms. When we grasp that, 
that our battle is not in this people in this room. Our battle is against the enemy that's throwing darts at one another. battle it's not against one another in this room well, I don't like the way Jonathan did that there's plenty of things that him and I could say we don't like what each other does because we're our own person right <laughs> but when we lay ourselves down and I know this is that was but when we can lay ourselves down and say it's not Jonathan, it's not Bo, it's the enemy trying to come, rob, steal, and destroy what God intended. And I'm telling you, this church was intended for greatness. But too often, we, me, have allowed the enemy to throw those fiery darts. And they stick and then what happens is, is they start to burn, they start to fester, they start to get gangrene and get nasty and gross and disgusting. Instead of having our shield up and our sword ready, and we fight together on the battlefield. It's time we fight on the battlefield together, hand in hand, shield locked with shield. Swords ready to go. Because this is how the Lord taught us to pray. We recognize Him as Father. Kelly, if you want to get ready. We declare His holiness. We invite the perfect one into our lives by inviting the kingdom to come. We ask God to supply every need, asking for forgiveness so we can also forgive others. And by putting on the form of God to face the world today. I will tell you that I learned something today also dealing with the Lord's prayer. I knew when I asked Bruce something this morning that I wouldn't get a short answer because Cheryl heard me. And I got a long answer, but it's okay because I learned something. That all of these words in there in the Lord's Prayer are, are also found in Leviticus. Maybe I'm admitting my ignorance. That's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. But then Bruce was looking, and he emailed me some things. And there are so many things. In this scripture verses, these three, four verses that are all through the Old Testament. And they're woven in and out. Psalms 139 is one of them. And the thing that I see 
is we want revival to happen. I want revival to happen in my own life. I want revival to happen all across America. But do we know what it's going to take? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take a lot of things. But first, we got to humble ourselves and we got to come before God, our Creator, and understand why we need to pray. God has big shoulders. He can take anything you throw at him. And there's been times in my life, and I'm not speaking this because I'm proud of it, but I'm saying God has big shoulders, that I've cussed and was frustrated at God because things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. But God humbly came to me and wrapped his arms around me and said, Bo, I love you. And I have a call on your life. And I see greatness inside of you. I've called you from a young age. And God is looking at each one of you right now saying that exact thing. I love you. I've called you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I knew you before you even knew you. I knew everything that you would do. But I'm still giving you the choice to follow me. And so this morning, if I could have the altar workers come up, Man, maybe there's something in your life that maybe you have daddy issues. Maybe you're one of those people that just, man, in growing up, your dad was just not that cool. To be honest, he was a jerk. You know, my story about my dad, my grandpa would come home every night and take my dad and his brother's head and beat their heads together when they were did something wrong. My dad never heard, I love you. Until my grandpa's deathbed. I didn't know my grandpa that way. I knew my grandpa's a loving guy. He would chase me around and he would say, I'm going to dust your pants off, and we'd play cowboys and Indians in, in this small little house, and all our cousins were there. But the thing is, is that affected my dad in the way that he raised me. And I know my parents will go on and listen to this. But growing up, I didn't hear my dad say he loved me very much. That was hard. It's really hard because I'm an affirmation person. But then I was in Master's Commission in Spokane, Washington in a discipleship program. 
and I laughed at my dad. That it was like this past, I was at home for vacation. And I laughed at my dad because he had holes in his socks. I said, why does he have holes in his socks? We need to get him a new pair of socks. And I was in my own personal time, and I was thinking about it. Don't ask me why. I was thinking about it in my personal time with the Lord. But the Lord shared with me that day. He said, those holes in those socks are because your dad has walked his halls of his house praying for you. And my dad did the best he knew how to raise me. And it took a lot to forgive. And he doesn't know all this probably, so he's going listen to it. But the thing is, is some of us are still holding on to those daddy issues. And we need to let them go. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to realize how good our Father is that he's perfect in all of his ways. And he loves you, and he cares for you, and he has a plan for you. Maybe it's just having problems putting on the full armor of God every day. And you're allowing the enemy to rob and steal and destroy your life. Maybe it's just saying, God, Search me, know me. Take those onion peels off of me so that your kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven. So this morning as we go into this last song and enter back into worship, ask God, God, can you just work in my life? And these people are up here just to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. May God bless you this week. God bless.